In this episode of the Founders and Coders student podcast, I talked to Shireen about what it was like helping to start a coding bootcamp in Israel. Hello and welcome to another episode of the FAC student podcast. I'm your host Azizi and I'm joined today by Shireen. How's it going Shireen? Hi Azizi, uh, thank you for having me. I'm good, how are you? I'm pretty good as well. Um, I'm really glad to be doing another episode recording with someone in another country that's also a part of the FAC community. So so where are you and why am I talking to you? Introduce yourself to the to the listeners. Well, right now I'm uh, sitting in Haifa, which is a city in North Israel. And uh, I'm joining the podcast because uh, I was on FAC9 in London and we started the, the, a new campus in Israel back in the day. That was 2017. <laughs> uh, and I guess that's why we're doing this. Yeah. So, um, what I tend to do is ask my guests about what they did before they started FAC because I think it's a, it adds some really interesting perspective to the journey um, through and continuing in coding. Um, obviously, I'd really like to ask you lots of stuff about uh, being in Israel, uh, but what were you doing before you started FAC9 and how was FAC9? So, before I started FAC9, um, I was doing my CS degree. I was uh, kind of in the middle of it when my mother saw an article and she was like, there's a program in London, you should do it. You should sign up. I actually signed up the very last day. So where were you doing the CS degree? I was doing it at, uh, in the Technion, which is uh, a technological university in Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I signed up. I did the interview with uh, Dan and Rebecca, which we had Rebecca then. Uh, I got accepted and I went to London, which was very sudden. It was really fast. Uh, I did the course uh, as in fact nine. And um, it was an amazing experience because I didn't know what to expect. And as I said, it was very sudden. But it was, I met a lot of people and Though it was really surprising, it had a lot of elements which were fun and helped me understand who I am and what I want to do. Hmm. I think it's it's much rarer for people to actually have a computer science background when they're starting the boot camp. So did you, did you find that having those fundamentals of understanding about like how computers actually work ended up being a big help or did you find that just having lots of different people around you that had lots of different experience meant that well it doesn't have to be or did, did they did that help as well uh it was both uh so my background helped me understand javascript a bit more uh, because i didn't know javascript before i did the course and um well, while I did my degree, it was a lot of theory and not too many projects. We, we learned mathematics and how to apply them in algorithms, which is not helpful in a job. Like, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> no one's going to ask you to do a depth breadth, breadth search for some tree or something in, at your work. 
they're going to ask you to implement something in the front end. Uh, so my degree is helpful, but the practical part was missing. And this is what I got from founders and coders, as well as all the people I've met who have different perspectives on how to build things. Uh, for example, we had a designer and I was always amazed of like, oh, you make this look so beautiful. I, I, I suck at CS. Yeah, sorry, CSS. <laughs> Don't suck at CS. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, like all the different people and all their different knowledge, they sometimes I knew a bit more and sometimes they knew a bit more. So the collaboration was amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I... So at the at the job that I've started since um, finishing fac, um, I think all of the devs there have backgrounds that are not computer science. I think like that that mix of perspectives is super valuable. Um, I do wonder sometimes though if it would be nice to have just one person who did like a CS degree, just so we could definitely make sure we're doing like the optimal thing. But maybe maybe that comes more from experience than it does from like having that sort of jumping off point anyway. Well, I guess if if you do know how algorithms work and how you can make them better, uh, it will help you realize it faster. So mm. you would know like there's a certain data type or data structure that would be a lot faster or more optimal than what you're using. But like you said, you can get there with experience. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, so what was that? What was that experience like for you of Fact Nine? Like, had you had you been to London before? No, that was the first time. <laughs> ah, yeah. So how was that? That was incredible. So, in fact, when was that? It was twenty sixteen, the the start of twenty seventeen. So, I came in October. I it was a winter cohort, and uh, I fell in love with London. It's my favorite city in the world now. And I don't say it just because I'm on a, on the podcast. I really mean it. I've been two other times since then, and I'm planning another trip when uh, COVID is over. Uh, so yeah, it was it was really amazing. I met a lot of different people from different cultures, um, and well, if you know Arabs, you know that we're very loud. We're very we we tell you how it is as it is. And we're not, we're not trying to actually speak our opinions. I didn't see a lot of that in British people. <laughs> so <laughs> so fair, that was fair. interesting to handle as, as if we're like, we're dealing with some issue in the code and I'm like, we need to do this and this and that. And people would be like, what are you talking about? Like, one second. This is not how we talk about things. <laughs> that was very interesting <laughs> but a lot of fun yeah those cultural those cultural differences are always interesting to like work out how to tackle I think um, they've been differences in communication style seem to have been like highlighted more like over the course of the last year whilst we've had so much so much of uh, collaborative coding having to go on over the internet, like making making sure that you can work out how to communicate without 
stopping other people communicating becomes so much more challenging. Um, how, how have you guys found it over there, like with, with the various boot camps and having to do things remotely? I assume you've been having to do things remotely. Yeah, we had to. Uh, from the first day, they've announced like everyone is in, uh, on lockdown. Uh, we had to go back home. We were panicking actually on the first day because we didn't know what to do. Uh, and then we decided we're going to get people on Zoom and one day in the classroom. So that those days on Zoom um, were very challenging in the beginning because we work in groups, we work in pairs, you need to explain the solution and like cast or uh, someone needs to stand up and do something. And it was hard to see the energy of people and understand, do they understand something? Or are they quiet because they're bored? Is it just like Zoom? We, we learned to adapt uh, to that, but it's still very hard. I still prefer the classroom. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's been working well. Like the feedback we're getting from students is actually that they didn't miss a lot. It's not the best experience, but it is what it is, and it's been handled quite well. Mm-hmm. I am. Um, my understanding is that Israel has been particularly good at like getting the vaccine rollout going and just dealing with COVID. So, is there? Is there a chance that you'll be back in the classroom relatively soon? Uh, I don't think so. I really hope so. I really want to go back to the classroom uh, as a normal classroom, not split in halves and uh, who knows what. But it doesn't look like it. Currently, we have, we're allowed five people in closed space, um, even though a lot of people are vaccinated. It doesn't look like it's going to happen soon. And every now and then they're like, okay, another lockdown, go back inside. It's okay to go back outside. And then another lockdown. It's a complete mess. Yeah. Okay. I mean, same here. Yeah. (laughs) I think, uh, yeah, it's uh, been a challenging year. (laughs) To say the least. Um, So, yeah. So, let's go back then. So, you... So you came to London, you fell mm-hmm. in love with London, you yeah. did the boot camp, you learned loads of things about JavaScript, and then you headed back home. And, and then what? Okay, so headed back home, home was Nazareth then. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born in Nazareth, I moved to Haifa, and then I came back. I came back to start the campus in Nazareth. Uh, and this is when Founders and Coders Nazareth was born. Um, the agreement with Dan was that I'm going to do the program, I'm going to mentor for two weeks, and then we'll see what, ha- what happens. But you all know Dan, he always has big plans. <laughs> and uh, I ended up helping a lot more than expected. And I worked on a project with uh, someone from my cohort. Uh, I enjoyed it too much. And then I became a facilitator. <laughs> So, can you can you talk me through like the the sort of beginnings of the of the idea of setting up the boot camp in Nazareth, like and sort of how that happens and how many people are involved? Mm-hmm. Okay, so if I remember correctly, it was uh, Dan and Rebecca. Um, I think Rebecca's husband came to Dan and he was like, "Why don't you open another Founders and Coders elsewhere in the world?" 
and I think Israel is perfect. And Diane was like, why not? Then Rebecca's husband was like, okay, I have my wife. She can take care of that. <laughs> She'll help you set it up. After all of this and a lot of calls with the British embassy and um, a lot of things that are happening here, they've decided to take two students from Israel to join the bootcamp in London. So it was me and Isra. Uh, we did the bootcamp and then came back to Nazareth. So we found a space, we found a guest house as well. Uh, so students can stay in it. And we start the first cohort. That was February of 2017. We started it. We had a lot of volunteer mentors from, uh, from the UK. And uh, I have to give credit to Owen here because he was really essential in starting this up. Uh, and all of it started coming together. So the mentors, the students, the, the new syllabus, because we started writing things. Uh, it was a bit free and then we, we made it into a course book. Um, and yeah, that's, that's the beginning. Mm -hmm. So, so that was like a little bit of, um, additional preparation before you started off. Um, in terms of just turning that that uh, curriculum into an actual course book, so how how did how did the first um, cohort do in Nazareth? The the first cohort was very interesting. We had six people who are local and six people from the UK, actually five and one from Canada, um, and. It was kind of the court where you test out things and if you if you succeed then you know that you can continue. We had we actually had six great people who decided to stay on, do some more uh, freelance projects. And we we made a lot of connections through connections, sorry, through that. Um, so Mario, who was part of Fakin One, is still with us and he's mentoring these days. So like all of that, that happened to all together, uh, starting the first bootcamp and like making all these connections and getting projects and getting the mentors together um, and having people helping out. It all came together to have six local people working on freelance projects with people from the UK who stayed a bit longer so they can help them. And then these uh, students who graduated also became mentors, like uh, I'm sure all of you know, and helped out with the second bootcamp. Mm -hmm. So, so how did it feel to be a part of that? <laughs> that that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> well, at first, at first it was really confusing. I, I didn't understand what I wanted to do. So I still had to finish my degree and I had uh, an interest of like seeing this through. Hold on. I'm confused. I thought you <laughs> finished your degree and then did the boot camp. No, so I took a break in the middle. Mm -hmm. I did so the boot was, camp. So this was like a year break in the middle of the degree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, I came back and I had to study some more. And I wanted to help out because there was, there was a baby and uh, you can make something great out of it. 
And then I started juggling between my studies and my work. <laughs> it was it was it was a great time to understand what I wanted to do. It was it was ex at exactly that time that I knew uh, I wanted to do something more educational, but still that has something to do with my degree with, and coding, of course. Mm -hmm. I think. I'm always slightly jealous of people who like managed to find a passion for what could be a career before they finish their degree. <laughs> like I, I, I enjoyed large parts of my degree and found other parts incredibly boring, but I never like had a feeling of where that was going to point me. So I, yeah, like taking those opportunities halfway through, like. Mm -hmm going somewhere else in the world and working out what effect you might be able to have is clearly a really, really valuable thing for almost everybody that does it. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. I was pretty lucky to get this chance, actually. I didn't know it existed. I didn't know that this path is something I want to take because I always thought I want to be a developer, like maybe work in a startup, who knows what. But this opened a lot of areas where I can think like I, I might fit here better. Mm -hmm. And and then how long were you in Nazareth doing that for then? I mean, obviously you had to finish your degree, so. <laughs> so I did finish my degree. And during that time I was uh, working as a facilitator and this is where paid jobs came into fact. <laughs> around that time um so i was doing that part-time and i was studying part-time and i think it was until 2019 so uh after facilitating for almost two years well facilitating and mentoring jumping between the two uh an organization called kalva which is an ngo in haifa uh, heard about the project and decided that they're going to take it in and do the management part. And so this is an interesting story because I thought I wouldn't have a job two weeks into like two, two weeks. We still had two weeks for the fourth cohort. And that was my job. I thought I, would, I was not going to have anything after this. And then I was offered something with Kevin Schmeck. Uh, so yeah, that was pretty lucky too. And of course I said yes. So then I became a facilitator, kind of manager, mentor, whatever you want to call it, all together <laughs> and start working with them to develop the bootcamp further. Mm -hmm. So, so this was, so this was still in Nazareth. Mm -hmm. But they they were providing some additional funding to turn that boot camp into more. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, what I know I know that with the um, boot camp in London, that the facilitators um, I think they've all of them have only ever done one um, cohort. Um, so, were you, are you saying that you were doing? little bits of facilitation for more than one cohort or you were the main facilitator for for several cohorts i was the main facilitator for well for cohort 13 right now um in terms of nazareth cohorts mm -hmm. i have facilitated about 10 of them 
<laughs> which is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And then, so, I mean, that's a big job, but then you were picking up additional responsibilities on top of that as well. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how did that go? Like having, having the opportunity to grow, like what, what did you do with that? Um, what did I do with that? Uh, well, first of all, I kind of uh, took the decision to move the boot camp from Nazareth to Haifa because Haifa is a bit more central and uh, it would attract more people. The- so, oh, so so it's not a additional boot camp. It's the whole boot camp has moved. The whole boot camp has moved. Mm-hmm. And with the move, we rebranded it to be called Webahead because Founders Encoders was a bit harder for people to pronounce <laughs> as non-native English speakers. <laughs> I could, I could see that. I could see that. There's so, like, so, there's a rhythm to it that sort of allows you to mix up some of the syllables. Yeah. <laughs> so some, some people were calling it founders. Some people were calling it just coders and some were like coders and founders. I'm like, okay, we're, we're done with this. <laughs> <laughs> Web ahead. Web ahead. <laughs> Keep it simple. Cool. Yeah. Okay. And uh, we played around with the syllabus to match uh, the audience here. Uh, and we also like changed a bit of the prerequisites and how we we do interviews. Like we, we took what FAC has, the, all the great things about it, but we did match it to the people in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. So... I, I love this idea of sort of creating that international community out of a boot camp. Um, but I think like my, my partner was doing a little bit of volunteering last year. Um, and, um, she was, she was in Nepal, um, teaching English. Um, and she found that there were lots of people that were there that had like a, a clear idea of, uh, when they arrived of like what, Nepal needed for <laughs> to be helped and that that often created problems and that the key thing was to make sure that things are customized and appropriate for whichever country you're in so like having the opportunities to do that yourself in a place that you know and make sure that the boot camp is the it, as appropriate as it can be for the people that you know that are going to be doing it, like that's got to just produce better results, I suppose. Yeah, it's a very fine line between like how much can you take from another culture and add to some like not to to our culture because we don't um, we don't understand things in the same way. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, could you give me an example? Yeah, for sure. Um, so one thing that I really wanted to change early on was the research or spikes and like people here don't like to research a lot of things and they don't like to go into something without resources because we, we do things differently. We either get it from a lecture or a YouTube video or who knows what. And it's kind of the same. I know it sounds the same, but it's the perspective of like, uh, give me a topic, give me the resources, and I can build you something. 
I don't want to study it for hours and then just speak about it. <laughs> so that was changed. And another change that I was thinking about is people are people here are more individualistic and they don't like working in pairs all the time. So this is a this is very recent <laughs> and we're thinking about adding like I don't know what to call them, alone hours or something, where they study by themselves and then come to do the workshops. Yeah, I think like the the difficulties of working remotely, I th amplify that as well. Like trying to do pair work when you're not in the same space too. Yeah. Like I could I could see how creating some opportunities for doing other things would, yeah, sort of relieve some of the the pressure on on all of the on all of the pair work that goes on absolutely mm -hmm. but yeah so so how's it going in Haifa then like have you what apart from the the sort of these these adjustments like what's what's changed what's changed um well Haifa is a bigger classroom <laughs> and um we do have a lot more resources right now. We have more uh, permanent mentors. So we have two mentors on site all the time, other than the volunteer mentors. And we have a lot more people, <laughs> which is what we wanted. Also, so how many more? How many more? Uh, we started out with six local students in the very, very first cohort. Now we have 15, which is amazing. <laughs> This is, this is the jump we wanted. And the other thing on the other side of things is the placements. So we didn't have a lot of placements. We didn't focus on that. We just did the bootcamp and we were like, okay, you can do some work now. You'll find it, you'll figure it out. Uh, but some people did it. So our focus now is on placements and how to get them into companies or startups or how to start their career. Mm -hmm. So, um, are you, yeah, I guess if it's placements, then you're making connections with specific businesses or are you like, I don't know, what, what does that involve? <laughs> it involves a lot of meetings. <laughs> First and foremost, uh, we talk to a lot of companies. We go, well, we used to go to their sites, but now it's on Zoom. <laughs> And we always try to contact any NGOs or any agencies that work in placements so that we can send them our graduates and they can find them a job. Mm -hmm. Other than that, we, we do teach a lot of soft skills uh, in the bootcamp, starting from like self-awareness and going through LinkedIn and CVs and interview prep. So now that is integrated into the bootcamp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had we had lots of that in the London boot camp uh, last year as well. Um, so, so what sort of uh, what sort of careers are you finding, or what sort of first jobs are you finding your um, like cohort members managed to find? Mm, most of them find jobs in startups, and almost all of them found a job uh, as a full stack developer which is what we wanted. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like using most of those skills straight away. Exactly. Great. 
<laughs> and uh, we hope it continues. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, so you said that that first cohort in Nazareth, it was lots, there were lots of people from other countries involved and a lot of those were mentors. Mm -hmm. um, do you still get lots of people from all around the world uh, being mentors or is it mostly just the previous cohort? Unfortunately, we don't, we don't have that anymore because of COVID. Uh, the last mentor was Jamie, I think. Uh, Jamie was amazing. I'm not, I don't know if anyone listening knows him, um, but it added so much to the values and so much to the learning process because everyone had to speak in English. That's the first thing. Uh, and they couldn't get away, get out of it. And, um, well, with all the experience and the way of handling things and uh, how to think about a problem, uh, they all our students got to see that. So hopefully, when COVID is over, keep saying that, I'm really hoping it will be soon, <laughs> uh, we can get mentors again. Mm -hmm. um, but I, just wondering, seeing as so much has to be done remotely anyway, like, could could you not have mentors briefly helping out even if they're actually physically currently in another country i think we have we have thought about this once and we dismissed it but if i remember correctly it was because uh of the different hours mm. and like we don't want to force people to volunteer on screen <laughs> mm. <laughs> but, but it's worth uh, to think about it again if someone's if anyone's interested you should send me an email cool. <laughs> if anyone I'll, listening to this you should send me an email <laughs> i'll make sure that your your contact details are in the show notes like if anybody is interested um, because yeah i think it'd be pretty awesome um and i mean once once covid isn't happening anymore i could certainly be tempted <laughs> Amazing. We'd love to have you. Uh, so as we do have international mentors, we used to have international students as well, which just the same as the mentors added a lot of value. And people came in for kind of a holiday, an academic holiday, if uh, we want to call it that. They enjoyed their time in Haifa. They had the beach. I recommend a spring or a summer cohort because actually not a summer cohort. It's too hot in Israel for summer <laughs> in, in the summer. So either fall or uh, um, a spring cohort and you get to enjoy Israel and do the boot camp as well. So mm. if you're interested, send me an email as well. <laughs> I mean, doing a boot camp in another country was obviously so beneficial to you. So exactly. Offering that to other people has got to be great. Yeah. And we cool. do provide accommodation, so that's a plus. Wait, for, for free? No, not for free, but for a really, really low price. I mean, mm. it's not London prices, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, in that case, it's been super, super lovely to chat, Shireen. Um, Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, if I... I reserve the right to ask you to come on again as well. Um, it'd be lovely to have you back. Um, I'd, it's been, yeah, hopefully another uh, pleasant episode for the listeners to hear as well. 
Um, and until next time, um, I'll speak to you later. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Zizi. <laughs> Bye.